Hello everyone, I'm Dana Stewart-Bullock and this is Transformational Therapeutics. In today's podcast, I will be talking about information. I will, of course, first define it and then talk about how to see information in a new way, a way that originates in the definition of information itself. So welcome. From the Latin informare, to shape, fashion, describe, from in, into, plus form, a form. So from the literal meaning of the word to the form of our bodies and our lives, information is the form that something takes. The form in our physiology, in our emotions, in our interactions, in our connections. In transformational therapeutics, everything is seen as information that is communicated via language. This allows us to separate feelings, symptoms, physiology from any pre-existing associations we may have. It leads to a different interpretation that would otherwise be the norm in our culture. Pain is information, feelings are information, dysfunction is information. The term Candace Pert used to describe peptides, which are a form of protein, was information molecules. In this model, that term applies across the board to everything we see and feel. Not to suppress emotions, but to have a viewpoint that allows for a different perception and therefore a different outcome in terms of healing. So welcome. My dear friend, Rebecca Doring, a healer in her own right, has joined me for today's topic. Hey there, Dana. Hi, Rebecca. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. And I'm so excited about this topic. What does information mean to you? Well, I go to the um, definition of the actual word. It means without any attachment, any emotional attachment, it's simply in the moment fact. Information in some ways transcends time and space, and it doesn't change with time or space. So it's an entity in and of itself. And we attach to it feelings and emotions, and we then don't see it as information because of the emotional attachment to it. So I try to separate out emotional attachment from the information itself. And by looking at it as information, I can then see it from a different perspective. It gives me other options rather than ones that would happen if there were emotions attached to it. How does the study of information help you with seeing everything as language through transformational therapeutics? It allows me actually to separate out the meaning that I've attached to the information from the information itself. We all attach meanings sometimes unconsciously from early on or later on in life. We attach meaning to language. Again, this whole thing is, is how to separate out and, and actually find new meaning in the language that people use. So information separates out some meaning that I've attached to a language and allows me to then redefine it in a way that you and I could have a common definition and then our meanings would be out of the way and it, we, it would allow us to meet on another ground with a common language versus a language where each of us is attached to the previous meaning mm. of the words or the language we're using. There are some inherent meanings in language. I'm actually looking for common ground. So if we go back to the etymology of the language we're using, that's a thousands of years old meaning inherent in the language. And you and I could have a common meaning in the language we use if we both had the same information. Could you give me an example from your life where you've had a different meaning 
of language than someone else. And once you came to a mutual meaning, you're able to create connection. So it's the story of my professional life from learning as much as I have about anatomy and mechanics and the spine and physiology. Someone will come into my office and say to me, I have arthritis and they'll be upset because a doctor has diagnosed them with arthritis. And with that, there are attached a lot of feelings and cultural beliefs about arthritis. I don't have those. So it doesn't have the charge to me that it does to the patient who comes into my office. To me, arthritis is abnormal wear and tear on a joint and or a nutritional deficiency. That's all it is. So that's information to me. I have nothing attached to it. And I can then treat it in a way that can change it or teach someone how to use their body in a way that can change it and take the charge out of it, which is associated in their mind. They're not seeing it as information. They're seeing it as a diagnosis that has a negative force attached to it. Sure. So for me, seeing it as information, it just is. And then I can ask why and look at a person and say, why is this joint arthritic? What else is happening in your body that we can change so that we can then change the arthritic joint? What's your nutrition? What are the mechanics in your body? For me, it, it has no meaning other than the medical definition of arthritis. Mm. That's how I see it. Yeah. So you see this person coming to you with information and then because you see it as information, it allows you to gather more information, which you can continue to move forward through. Whereas when they come to you, they're at an emotional full stop that here I am with arthritis. This is how it's going to be forever. Yes. And, and it's a downhill course. And in our culture, you know, there's all kinds of drugs for arthritis. And it just is so attached to all these other beliefs. I once had a, a patient who was really upset, said, I have arthritis in my spine, as though it was a death sentence. And we all have arthritis, it, but we're not all in agony. So to me, logically, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I like to make sense out of things. But that person believed that it was a permanent sentence. And associated with that was pain, dysfunction, inability to stand upright. It just kept going on. When I did an evaluation of his system, his body, his anatomy, his biomechanics, I realized that one of the reasons he had arthritis in his spine is because he was sort of bent forward. And over a long enough period of time, if you're bent forward, you have abnormal wear and tear on your spinal joints as well as other joints. And he had a big scar in his abdomen that was pulling him forward. So when I worked to release the scar tissue, he was able to stand more upright. If you stand more upright, move more functionally, you get more nutrition into the joint, you change the mechanics of the joints, and you can change arthritis. I mean, there's good science. For abnormal wear and tear on the joints, if you can figure out what is the cause of the abnormal wear and tear and change the forces, bone can be resorbed. Arthritis is oftentimes a laying down of new bone to stabilize an area. If you change the body's need for that stabilization, the bone can be resorbed. Hmm. That's so powerful. So by being open to the idea that the language, that everything that was presenting to you through the physiology, through the science, through the words as information, it allows you to continue to move forward. And it also gives me information about the emotional attachment the person has to that diagnosis. And that's a whole separate issue. We as a society tend to pull them together. 
So we don't separate out information from the feelings that we have, particularly in, you know, the medical model, from the feelings that we have associated with it. It's cultural. We've been in some ways programmed to believe these things. Mm. Tell me more about that association with emotions and information. I think it's really important to understand the role of fear in disease. Oftentimes, as children, you can do this experiment. You take a little kid who falls down and they look to their parents. And if the parent is worried and excited, the little baby will cry. If the parent goes, oh, you're okay, oftentimes the baby will not cry. So that's the emotional attachment to falling down. That will stay in that child's brain for a very long period of time. How does transformational therapeutics help with that? Let's say an adult many years later has that association with falling down is a dramatic, upsetting thing. How would one use the context of seeing it as information to help move forward and move through that? Let me just add something to the information thing. We oftentimes will have a feeling or an emotion, and we will attach a judgment to it. Like, this is a negative emotion, this is a positive emotion. If you take away that attachment, so emotion is information. I'm in a feeling, that's information. This is a good feeling, or is it a bad feeling? That's the attachment. If I just say, I have this feeling, mm, I, it's interesting, I, it's information that my body is telling me, or the situation is telling me, how powerful do I feel in that feeling? Can I change it? Why do I think it's bad? Why do I think it's good? It's actually a firing off of molecules in our physiology. Who attaches the judgment to it? We do, or we've learned an attachment to it. So often that, that attachment is fear. When you redefine something, if you say, you know, I have cancer, and there's a, a whole uh, cultural psychological attachment to that. If you were able to change that and redefine cancer in another way, it doesn't mean you don't treat it. It doesn't mean you don't go on whatever journey you want with your diagnosis. But you, if you can change how you see it, once had a, a friend of mine call me and he had throat cancer, I believe somewhere in that area, oral cancer. And he was an old friend and he was having a really hard time and he had chemo and I think radiation. And he was just having a very difficult time getting through it. And, and I said to him, I said, you know, why don't you look at the chemo? Just literally look at it as Pac-Man that are eating up this thing in your body. And in changing that perception and seeing it differently, Listening to what I gave him as information, it allowed him to change state around his whole cancer diagnosis. Wow, I can only imagine how that would affect the entire experience. Like before that, it might be filled with dread and worry and angst going into it, but instead it changes everything. Yes, and it gave him the power to see it differently, which then I mean, really empowered him. Yeah. And I had no idea. He told me probably years later that it had made all the difference in the world. Wow. I just am so functionally oriented. I thought, okay, what's a different way of seeing this so that you have power? If you can see every time you go to have chemo, you're visualizing Pac-Man coming along and eating up your cancer. And I just know because of how the brain works, that can have an impact. Mm. How so? Because it is... It's interesting, and this is my interpretation. The fear is deep in the primitive part of our brain and the prefrontal cortex, which is the most advanced part of our brain. 
the part that chooses what to pay attention to. So instead of him paying attention to his fear, he had a tool to pay attention to Pac-Man, even though it was imaginary. The brain doesn't differentiate. And so it allowed him to have power within that situation and to change the actual deep emotional centers in his brain by not focusing on the dread, but focusing on the action of the Pac-Man. Sure. And then by changing the deep emotional part of the brain, doesn't that also affect the whole physiology? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So you have the power to change your physiology by seeing something differently, seeing it as information. Well, it's interesting because um, Candy Pert talked about emotions being the link between the physical and the mental because the emotions are in both realms. And in her work, she said there's not one cell in our body that emotions don't influence. Not one, not just in our brain, but in our, all of our physiology. And the emotions trigger different physiological states. So how we label the emotions, how we see them, what we do with them has a huge impact in our entire body. I love the question that you said before when your friend came to you with that information about how he saw the chemo and you said, how can we see this differently to give him more power? Is that one way you try and separate the emotion from the information? That's a really good question. I actually, as I analyze myself, I do that all the time. It's how I see the world is how to empower others. And I see it, I literally see it as the brain. I look at the brain and think, how can I change that brain in my interaction with whoever it is? And so I may love you or hate you or whatever, that's irrelevant. How do I leave this interaction in some ways having changed your brain for its benefit, not for anything negative? And that's how I see my role in the world. Mm. And how do you do that? That example I just told you about the Pac-Man, I, what I heard was a man who was in dread and scared and felt powerless. And so in my own brain, I thought, how can I help empower him to deal with this fear? Give him a tool that allows him to take an action. Because I know from, we had talked earlier about Vanderkolk and people who've suffered trauma, the ones who are able to act afterwards get better faster. So a cancer diagnosis in many ways is a trauma. So I couldn't have him give himself chemo. I mean, that was already taken care of, but I could have him change how he saw it. That to me was an action, an internal action in his brain that empowered him to change how he saw the treatment that he was getting, how he saw the reaction to the treatment, because the treatment was somewhat debilitating. If he saw it as Pac-Man coming and attacking the tumor, let's say, that is something that he generated in his own brain. That is an action within his brain that he generated, which to me is an action, just like cleaning up after Hurricane Katrina. It's the same action movement in response to a fear, but it's all in the brain. Right, which then carries into the body. Yes. Via the physiology. Right. Yeah. And so my goal is mostly just to change physiology. Right. By interacting. Yeah. And that, that's everything. Gives power. And it's, it's funny. This is, I mean, it's how computers work. It's how Google works. I mean, they are actually working on your brain. They will freely admit it. I forget there's a guy who used to work at Google who wrote a book about it. They're actually programming it so that they hold your attention. 
Yeah. So I'm sort of doing the same thing, but not with computers. Right. And, and not for to, it, to a different end. Yes, yeah. To a very different end. Yeah. But it's the same receptors. Interesting. It's the same receptors. Wow. So if you know that and you're just working to change the receptors, that's all it is. There's a quote, I think, from Ashley Montague or somewhere, I'd have to look it up, that our skin is an externalization of our nervous system. So you can actually influence the nervous system profoundly just by touching. And just pulling all of this together, it's like I'm trying to influence people's brains and bodies hmm. for good. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> for change so that they are more empowered right. within their own vehicle. Yes. And this sums up transformational therapeutics that so many things in our culture and in our lives and things we encounter bring us to a full stop and make us feel disempowered and powerless day after day. And then that creates disease and exhaustion and burnout. And everything that you're offering is a way to combat that. And particularly in our culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Candy Perth, this is from her book, Molecules of Emotion, said, information, it is the missing piece that allows us to transcend the body-mind split of the Cartesian view. Rene Descartes said, I think, therefore I am. Because by definition, information belongs to neither the mind nor the body. It touches them both, but it doesn't belong to either. We must accept that it occupies a whole new realm, one we can perhaps call the info realm. So that's one of the things that pushed me to see everything as information. It influences us from another realm. And, and I like to empower myself to use something that's functional. So if I can see things as information, then I've tapped into a way of seeing that gives me power. Mm. What, do you, what about suppressed emotions and things that you may not be conscious of? Can you use this to help that? Yes, because in terms of language, I see I see everything in the body as a signal or a language. And so I can see pain as pain, or I can see it as an unpleasant emotional experience. Okay, what's the emotion that this pain is talking to me through? Why does my ankle hurt? What is this telling me? And there is much information. There are books out there that tell you the symbolism of different body parts and what they mean. So it's information that my ankle hurts. What does the ankle indicate? For instance, the ankle may be forward movement. Where in my life am I not moving forward? What is this pain telling me? It's my resistance. I see pretty much all pain as resistance. It's my resistance to moving forward. Oh, okay. And then it gives me something that I can actually use or not. It takes me in a direction where if I just say, I hurt, that's a full stop. Right. You see information and then you have a choice to gather more information and keep moving forward. But this is interesting. I don't know how much of this I covered under language, but I see everything as language. So chemical language, body language, spoken language, that to me is all information in my body. So chemical language would be pain set off by um, chemicals, or I could look at it as, again, what we just said, the symbolism of the area that's in pain. It just takes me down another road if I see it as information. It pulls me into a journey. Yeah. So you mentioned body language, chemical language. Spoken language, symbolic language. Mm-hmm. It's, all, it's just to me all language, but language is information. Right. 
What do you mean by chemical language? Well, deep in your body, chemicals are what talk to each other, like neurochemicals. You could also talk about chemicals that you ingest, but I'm talking about the chemistry of our physiology. Mm-hmm. So the different areas talk to each other, and one nerve talks to another via peptides and, and chemicals. So there's always communication happening. So you could go down that pathway and explore the various chemical language that's happening in your body to gain more information. Yes. And when this man called me about his cancer, that's actually using the vision of Pac-Man is actually releasing different chemicals. How so? Because that's how the body works. I mean, Candy Pert talks about this woman who was a multiple personality. And in one personality, she was a full-out insulin-dependent diabetic that she was not in another personality, all within the same body and physiology. Wow. And that's documented. And so that's how powerful the chemistry of our bodies is and our minds. Wow. Our psyches. I'm not going to say mind. I'm going to say psyche. Yeah. That always hit me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) An insulin-dependent diabetic when she was in one personality and when she moved into the other personality, none of that. Wow. It's actually the power of the healing force in our body. We have no idea. We just have no idea. Right. The potential. And the power of the beliefs, too. Yes. That, oh, I'm an insulin-dependent diabetic. But that is also unconscious. Uh-huh. Because she would go from one personality to another, not consciously. I don't know if you've read about multiples, but that's what how they function. Mm-hmm. They go into different, they're usually post-traumatic, and they go into different personalities ad lib without remembering what the last personality was, oftentimes not even knowing. Mm-hmm. So if you had somebody like that who was in a diabetic coma and could then be resuscitated and brought back and then transform into another personality that didn't have that, that's a possibility. But that also, to me, is the potential of the human form. It's mind-boggling. And so you might look at that as a negative, but to me, it's just, oh my gosh, look at the potential. Why not use it? Yes. And that's what this entire thing is about, but especially in terms of information. And it's also, in this instance, it's also the power of the unconscious. The unconscious and how it manifests in the physiology. If you can imagine that everything that your body manifests is simply information. So that should you get, for instance, a diagnosis like arthritis, that is just information. If there are emotions attached to that or beliefs, separate them out from the fact that you may have arthritis. It doesn't mean that it's painful, doesn't mean that it's debilitating, it simply means you have arthritis and then imagine that there's another way to see it. Mm 